you should never buy something until you do a lot of research to determine whether or not it is of good value and whether it's a good investment. Do your research, compare prices, all of that stuff. Spazzitti and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. If you guys are joining me here for the first time, you know, I'd like to first and foremost say thank you and I'd like to ask you guys to take the 10 episode challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, what is it? Well, it, <laughs> frankly, it's exactly how it sounds, right? The 10 episode ch challenge is basically where you come in and you listen to the last 10 episodes. The main reason I ask you guys to do this is because I feel like you're not going to get the most out of the show unless you go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. You know, I will be referencing stuff in the past episodes. I don't do, I don't talk about news or politics, economics. I don't talk about that in a vacuum, okay? You know, sometimes I'll reference things, but I'm not going to go out of my way every single time and explain in detail what exactly I mean. So I might mention something that you just may not be familiar with until you go back and listen to those episodes. So if you want to get the full value out of the show, it's the best way to do it. But with that said, if you're here and, and you come here every single week, thank you so much for showing up. And, you know, I'm actually going to ask you guys to do a few things. I usually ask you guys to do this stuff at the end of the episode. So I'm going to ask you guys to do it at the beginning of the episode this time, right? Just to save time, you know, do the, some house cleaning or, I mean, people call it house cleaning on, on podcasts and stuff. I, I don't know. Anyways, just to do that right, right at the start of it, uh, to save time. So if you guys are loving this, uh, this, this show, if you guys are getting a lot out of the podcast and please do me a couple things. First and foremost, make sure to go and leave me a rating review on Apple podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. Okay. It helps to get the show on the map and it just overall, it really helps for other people to help find the show by getting us on the rankings and stuff of that nature. So if you're loving it, you're getting a lot of value out of it. You know, please take the time to do it. It take you like a couple minutes, but it really helps me out here. So if you guys are loving it, you're loving me and all the stuff I'm saying, please go do that. Also, make sure to share the show. The most important thing you guys can possibly do if you like the show is to share it. The show is as successful as much as it grows. And while we are growing, we need to continue to grow. You know, we obviously, if, you, if you're not growing, then you're just kind of staying stagnant and that's not positive. So if you're loving the show, then please consider sharing. I always ask you guys to do three things. You know, share it with a, a person you you think, you're not really sure 100% how they're going to feel about it, but you, you think that there's a chance they might like it. But, you know, you think more importantly that they need to hear the message. So share it with that person and then share it with two other people that you think are going to absolutely love it. And then on top of that, hey, if you're on social media, if you're getting a lot out of this, then just get out there and share the show on social media. Hit the share button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, all right? If you're if you're on social media, Twitter, 
Facebook, wherever you are, Gab, you know, freaking, you know, Parler, Locals, you know, make sure to hit the like button, make sure to hit the share button, and, you know, make sure to follow. And also, if you want to help support the show financially, there's one thing you guys can do. Make sure to go scroll down on the description of each and every page, and you will see that there is an affiliate link. And there's affiliate programs that we have there that have that, that provide all kinds of services, anywhere, anything from Skillshare to, you know, Tier 1 Trading. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. There's uh, Tom Wood's uh, Liberty Classroom. He, there, That's on there, too. So if you guys want to financially support the show, you know, go check out the affiliate programs that we have I used to kind of like pitch them in the middle of each show I haven't really been doing that Uh, I I probably should I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna lie I probably should do it I just I haven't done it in a while so but if you if you're interested check those out click on the links go go you know go look at them if you do if you want to buy silver and gold and you decide to use money metals exchange it's actually not an affiliate program it's a referral program you basically if you buy something from them you and I will both get a free silver coin so if you want to have that deal you have to go into the purchases and you have to mention my name okay you got to give them my name and tell them that I was the one who referred them to you and it's one of my favorite places to go and buy gold and silver frankly so it's a really really great place so if you guys are interested in that go do that and you can get a free silver coin and uh you'll help support the show by um you know we'll both get a free silver coin so anyways moving on so I hope you guys had a very great 4th of July. My 4th of July was was pretty fun. You know, over the weekend, I went to go visit my family. You know, my parents ended up moving to Missouri. Okay, so I live in Dallas, Texas, and they, they ended up moving to Missouri. It's just pretty cool. So, you know, anyways, we went to go, but it kind of sucked because, frankly, they've, been li- they've lived in Texas for 30 years. My entire family, uh, immediate family, was in Texas for a very, very long time. And now me and my, my youngest sister, are the only ones left in Texas. Uh, my two oldest siblings moved to Florida, and then I got another brother. He's in California, and I got another brother who's in Missouri. Probably will more than likely, once he's done with uh, college there, he'll probably move to Arkansas. Him and his wife really, really like Arkansas. So that's And he ha- might have a, a guaranteed job set up there. He's in uh, physical therapy and whatnot. So anyways, not to share too, too much about my family, but, you know, so... We're all spread out now. You know, I'm one of six kids. I'm the third oldest. And we're all spread out now, unfortunately. And it's, it's kind of sad. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really, really, really sad. And I don't, I don't want this episode to be uh, depressing. Okay. Because we talk about a lot about ec- politics and economics recently. And that has just been relatively depressing, right? It's almost always is. I mean, I really get into the political theory, political philosophy. I really get into economics and stuff like that. Just from a, a nerd perspective, I get into all that. It's something I very, very much love and enjoy to talk about. However, okay. However, comma, I would be lying to you. If I was to say that I was okay with my family moving away and whatnot, no, I'm not. Uh, my, my parents was moving away was actually really hard for me. I've always lived in the same town as them. And, you know, I don't know. A lot of people, they like to put some distance between them and their family members. And a lot of that's, a lot of times that's because they don't have the greatest relationship with their family members. So it's really stressful. It's really irritating when they're in town. I don't have that with my family. I love my family. I had a great childhood. You know, I have great parents. Been married for a very, very long time. I don't know. I mean, I they they modeled a great marriage for me. They 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 they're very strong believers, Christians. You know, so they modeled their faith and and what it's like to be a good Christian and and to pursue your faith. I mean, absolutely amazing people. I love them dearly. I really do. 
and it's hard that they moved away. It's only and they only moved away fairly recently. So they haven't even been away for ah gosh, it's coming up on on one year. So it sucks, you know. Granted, my in laws are in town, so it's not like all family members are gone. But and I will say it is kind of nice because on holidays it was always stressful because we always had the only fair way to split the the holidays. And I'm not saying anybody was forcing me to do this, but around Christmas and all that, the only fair way to split the holidays was to divide it between two family members. Do one morning if it was Christmas, do Christmas morning with one family and Christmas Eve with another family the evening with the other family and that's generally speaking what we did now if let's say for fourth of july one family was doing something and the other family was not then of course i would do whatever with the family that was actually doing something and that would be fine but on the big holidays it was always crazy you know we always had to go and when it was just my wife and i and we didn't have any kids it was a lot easier to do but the minute we started having uh, you know started family it, it got a lot more complicated now as the kids get older, you know, we do intend to have one more at least, uh, you know, as, as the kids get older and stuff, it would be a lot easier to do, but still it's, it's difficult. It's hard, right? So, but now, it, now, uh, we're going to have to do a kind of a switch off, you know, one Christmas will be with one family and then next year's Christmas will be with another family. And that's just how it's going to have to happen. We're not going to be able to go up there for Christmas Eve and then come back for Christmas or anything of the sort, you know, maybe maybe what we would do is we would go and we'd visit one family, you know, before Christmas hits, you know, and then we, and then that would be our Christmas celebration. And then on the Christmas day would be with the family at home. I, I don't know. Or maybe we celebrate Christmas with one. And then after Christmas, we go up and sell. I, I, I really have no idea. It's a lot of travel. I would really like to avoid traveling, you know, and whatnot. It's, it's like an eight hour drive up there. And, and so let's get back into the, you know, the holidays and stuff, you know, so for the 4th of July, we hadn't seen my parents new place. So we decided to go up to Missouri and uh, travel up there, drive eight hours with my not even two year old daughter. She's like 20 months. So she's four months shy of being, of being two. And I mean, you can imagine. She can't, she doesn't understand. She doesn't want to be in her car seat. Heck, I don't even want to be in that car for that long. It sucks. It's annoying. It's not fun, right? And subsequently, she cried a lot. So my wife did four hours and then I would did four hours. We did four hour shifts. We're driving up there and driving back. And the funny thing was that on my shift, I would start to fall asleep. So what I would do is I had a bunch of really unhealthy snacks, like extra cheddar cheese its I'd have like, you know, the the little uh, cookie bears. I I can't, uh, uh, Teddy Graham bears with like the chocolate chips in them. I'd have like Gordettos, man. I, I would have the unhealthy stuff and I would eat it constantly while I was driving. It gave me horrible, horrible acid reflux. I mean, not to be too, you know, too much, not to share too much information, but man, was it not fun. But it was the only way I could stay awake. It was, it was insane, but it was the only thing I could do. So I, you know, it, it was a crazy drive. My daughter cried a, a, a fair amount going up there. She did better on the way home, but she still cried a fair amount on the way back. And it just, ugh, I hated the drive. I absolutely hated it, but we did it. We got it done. The reason we didn't fly is because we wanted to see how she would do in the car for eight hours. It was really more of an experiment, right? Um, so we wanted to just see, because we are contemplating this at the end of this year for Christmas. We're actually contemplating going up and uh, we're, we're, my family's doing a big family reunion in North Carolina. And we're going to go up there and we're going to have a great time, but we're not sure how we're going to get there. Currently, as it stands today, due to the Biden administration, 
all two-year-olds and uh, all children that are two-year-olds and up have to wear face masks. Yeah, try putting your face mask on a two-year-old. It's not exactly the easiest thing in the world. They will, in nine times out of ten, they're going to rip the mask off unless you train them not to. Or, well, teach them not to. They're not a dog. But you get what I mean, right? And unfortunately... We're trying to get her used to wearing the mask just for that one, just for the flight, because she will be barely two years old by the time we, uh, you know, by the time we go up there. But, um, I don't know. Now, in September, the law is, the, the executive order is supposed to be re- reviewed and hopefully they'll either get rid of it entirely or at least revise it to where you don't, two-year-olds don't have to wear the mask and, you know, it's more like five-year-olds and up or, or whatever. So maybe something around those lines. The mask mandates are retarded. There have been plenty of studies that show that masks don't stop the spreading of this disease whatsoever. While it does capture the expectorants and like, say, sneezing or coughing, it's not exactly, it doesn't, the pathogen is so small that it gets through the fibers of the mask. Masks are completely pointless. If the only reason that people wear them is because it makes them feel better. It makes them feel like they're doing something and they're making a difference in fighting, you know, the, 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 this disease or whatever, which again, this is, I don't view this any more than the flu. So frankly, I know there are some for the va- there are some people that it affected very very badly and many people died. Look, but the the fact of the matter is that the death numbers were completely manipulated. I don't even believe a lot of the death numbers. Not saying that they're not that there isn't a shred of truth in there, just that they overly overly manipulated those numbers to make it look bigger than what it really was. There's still a lot of manipulation going on right now in the numbers as well. However, the numbers are coming down. They say it's the vaccine. They say the vaccine is 95% accurate. First of all, it's not a vaccine. It's basically gene therapy. Okay, it's 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 an experimental gene therapy drug that tries to basically modify your genetics to teach it to, you know, constantly fight it off. It's in theory, it's supposed to modify your genetics so that you can, in theory, be impervious to disease. It's not going to work out that way. Okay, that's the theory. But as we all know, theories don't always come at work the way that they that they do on paper right? There's a lot of unforeseen variables that are involved. There's a lot of things that doctors don't know. So anyways, it's basically gene therapy. They they filed, you want proof of that? Go look at the SEC filing. The SEC filing that these com- these publicly traded companies, right? AstraZeneca, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, they had uh, they had to file uh, SE, you know, Security Exchange Commission. They had to file that with regards to their new drugs or something to that nature. Maybe it's not SEC filing. Maybe I'm getting that verbiage wrong. But anyways, they had to file, you know, their new drug basically uh, publicly. And it is classified as an, as an experimental gene therapy drug. That's what this is. It's highly experimental. They don't know what its effects on people are going to be. They have been researching it for years uh, prior to this. So it's not like this is like completely brand new. They have been researching it for years. They just don't, they, they've never used it on people in mass in the way that they're doing now. And you want to know when this is really bad is that because of the emergency powers that were granted to these uh, big pharmaceutical corporations, effectively, the uh, Trump administration basically gave them carte blanche, saying that if something is bad or happens negatively with these drugs, you won't be held liable for any of the damages. That's a red flag and should be a red flag to everyone. That's the crony capitalistic crap that both left-wing, middle libertarians, conservatives, that's the left-wing garbage that everybody hates. So let me get this straight. You're going to have an experimental drug, and it is experimental. Don't try to tell me it's not. It is. It's an experimental gene therapy drug. You're going to try to take this drug 
and give it to people, and you're not going to suffer the consequences if you screw them up or kill them, for that matter? Ah, come on. Yeah, that that's retarded. Absolutely retarded. So anyways, you know where I stand on that. But the point is, okay, the point is, is that masks, <laughs> going back to the whole masks thing, they don't help at all. And I don't know how I got on the vaccines, but the vaccines are crap, or they're not even vaccines, technically. They're not technically speaking vaccines in the way that we've defined a vaccine in the past. Now they're trying to change that. So they're trying to change the definition of that so that it does, so that it can classify it as a vaccine. See, see, they're just, they rig the game. The whole thing is rigged. When they decide to change the rules, they'll change it and then people will call them out and say, okay, well, we'll just change you know, we'll actually change the verbiage. So now we're right and you're wrong. Ha ha. You see, it's, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's all rigged. The whole thing is rigged. So anyways, well, my daughter is going to have to wear a mask if, uh, assuming that this mask mandate on public transportation doesn't get rescinded. Uh, odds are though, September is going to come around. They're going to, they're start, they're supposed to review it. Then they're more than likely going to extend it and hopefully they'll drop it for two-year-olds. If they don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not driving two days worth to go uh, to the family reunion. I just, I don't want to do that. It's a lot of driving. It's a lot of driving. And with a two-year-old, ugh, that's, that's going to be a nightmare. It'd be a nightmare if it was just my wife and I. It's going to be even worse with a two-year-old. So frankly, I'm not interested in that at all. But, you know, if I have to, I, 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 I'll do the flight and just hope that she wears the mask, right? I'll try to get her used to it more and more. We've tried sparingly here and there. We tried here and there, but anyways, that said, that's what I'm dealing with. So anyways, that's why we drove up there this time because we wanted to experiment to see how she would do in the car just in case we had to drive and uh, for Christmas and whatnot. So anyways, it didn't go the best. It wasn't great. It was a nightmare and yeah, not too happy. But, you know, while I was up there, it kind of reminded me of something that I really wanted to talk about. And I, and I alluded to this earlier. Early on in the episode at the beginning of the intro and uh, the intro music and you know it's I don't know if there's an official term for it but I find that this 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 is a problem for a lot of people it's a uh, you know comparing apples to apples when it comes to prices right it's price comparison making sure you're getting a good deal even when you know for that geographical area for that geographical location not getting a good deal when you're comparing prices from where you live which is completely different than the area that you move to and you're living in. So, for example, okay, you know, uh, there was an article that I was reading the other day, and he was talking about how a lot of Americans are moving to, you know, third world countries or second world countries like Bali and whatnot. You know, they're getting great tax incentives, and you know, they'll go and they'll get a haircut, and it'll be like a couple of bucks. And it's like, oh man, this is amazing. I never ever once thought that it would be that cheap. You know, this is absolutely amazing. I get to live like a king in these countries, right? This is one of the, another reason why it's a great to have a plan B, why it's great to look to move out of the U.S. Because if you, if you're not, I mean, you could take your, your mediocre U.S. income and if you can make that anywhere in the world, you can live like a king in some other countries, like literally. So it's a really, really cool concept. It's a really cool idea. It's something I hope to be able to do in my lifetime and, you know, my life. And it's something that I'm working towards right now. I mean, I intend, my dream is to have multiple passports, to be a, um, you know, have citizenships all around the world, have property all around the world, and to ultimately not, and I don't know if I'd give up my U.S. citizenship, but trust me, I have considered it many times. And, you know, the idea, the dream is to have control over the source of my income and where the vast majority of money I make is all me. 
all from my business and my active, my online business and all that kind of stuff. And then to ultimately have that be mobile because it's all online and then to move and start building up my portfolio of passports. And, you know, I don't know if I've said this before, but it's, I think it's the best asset you can invest in. The best asset that you can invest in, uh, well, technically is a business, really. Uh, if you considered a, a business to be an asset, and I do, that would be the best asset. But another really good asset to have, probably an up there, maybe second best, is passports. Invest in passports. And, and you don't have to necessarily do like the citizenship by investment or stuff like that, but get, getting multiple passports, I think, is one of the most valuable assets you could possibly ever have next to, you know, owning your own business because owning your own business gives you the ability to make money wherever you are, assuming that it's mobile income and whatnot. So, you know, anyways, with that said though, you know, a lot of people will go to another country after they've achieved all that, you know, mobile income you know, uh, controlling the source of their income, all that kind of stuff. And they'll move to another country and they'll start spending money and they're getting a great deal on everything. Everything is dirt cheap compared to where they are. But what they don't really understand is that they're actually paying a lot more than what they could otherwise pay. You see, when they move to a new country and they start buying goods and services and it's dirt cheap, they, they don't know that they don't know any better. They don't know that, oh, well, you know, this isn't really the cheapest that you can get for the highest quality price in this country. You can do better than that. They don't know that. It's already so cheap. They're comparing to things back home. You see this with Californians all the time. Californians come to the U.S. Or I'm not sorry, to the U.S. They come to Texas. And they've been buying up land a lot, right? I mean, there was a, the couple that bought our land. I don't know if they were from California, but it certainly comes across like they were. They were certainly from somewhere that had higher real estate values than, than, you know, Texas does. They spent an arm and a leg. Okay. My wife and I, we bought that house for $208,000 and in two years sold it for $270,000. You do the math. That was insane. I can't believe someone actually bought that, right? And spent that much money on the house. It's not a crappy house, but it certainly wasn't worth that much money. Not by a long shot. And yet they came in and did it. Why? Why would they do that? Because they perceived that as good value, right? They perceived that price as good value. This is why they're always willing to overpay. They'll, they'll kill off the bidding war. They will overcome the bidding war. They will, they're always willing to overpay. This is why they do that. They do that because they know it's cheaper from where they used to live. And while it's a good deal in comparison to where they used to live, not necessarily a good deal with, you know, in terms of the actual area and the prices in that area. So, you know, whether it's an investment, whether it's a, a good or service, always, always do your research. Get out there and start researching. Start looking up prices for goods and services, whatever it is, and start comparing apples to apples. Compare prices of whatever you're looking at, compare prices in for your area. So if you're in Bali, look at all the prices and services for haircuts, whatever, in Bali. And not just in Bali, but if you're in a particular city in Bali, look at the city, the prices that you can find in those cities. Because as we all know, if you go out in the countryside, things are cheaper than in the major cities. So make sure you're aware of the the prices, the, the comps, for lack of a better term, the, the competition. Make sure you're aware of all of the competitive prices and what you can look to expect to spend and get uh, the highest quality product for the cheapest value.
If you want to spend over whatever, if you want to be overcharged, that's fine, but they're basically taking advantage of you because you don't know any different. Doesn't just happen in foreign countries, ladies and gentlemen. It happens here. I had a buddy of mine, right? A buddy of mine just bought uh, some land. He's a great guy. I've known him for years. Love him to death. I've I, I've never honestly told him how I, I truly feel. I think he kind of knows, but he... he he decided to buy some land and move move away and all that kind of stuff. And I've I've never really I don't think he's crazy for doing it, right? He wants to turn it into an investment. He wants to do to, to pull cash flow off of the land, which is great. I mean, he's always been a big dreamer, very entrepreneurial guy. Or at least he thinks kind of in an entrepreneurial way. He's got the dreaming aspect down. He dreams a lot, right? And, you know, he's a great guy. So he goes off, he buys land, and he moves away. And he had me out to go and see the land uh, a little while ago. And, you know, I've never been honest with him, but I think he made a mistake, right? I When I see the land, when I see how much money he paid for it, when I see the competition of the land that's in the area and what he re- he could have paid for what I would consider to be better land, I'm like, dude, did you even do your research? You know, it's, you did, you spent money, you say you got a good deal and he spouts off all these numbers as to why it's a good deal. And it might be a good deal, sort of, but there were a lot of variables that he didn't really consider. It did. It's not the easiest land to develop on. It's not completely flat land, right? You know, there's, there's a lot of different stuff going on there. And frankly, it's just, I don't know. Frankly, it's just, he fell prey to the idea that he he was in he fell in love with the dream the and not that that's a wrong bad but it, it, not that that's a bad thing but when you fall in love with the dream you're in the honeymoon phase and when you're in the honeymoon phase you can some people close off their mind to anything alternative to that to that dream even if it's still buying land in the same area, but cheaper and slightly smaller land or, but easier to work with. No, no, no. That nothing will ever reach the height. Nothing will ever seem as good as the initial dream that he had in the the initial land that he saw because he's in the honeymoon phase. How many people are in relationships or, or you know of that have gotten in relationships that were bad relationships and they never should have been in them? But because they were in the honeymoon phase, they couldn't really see it, right? They were all in the the the, the mushy, the huggy, the kissing, all that kind of stuff. You know, they, they were always in this relationship and they just couldn't see that this relationship was not good for them to be. It wasn't healthy for them to be in, but they couldn't see it because they were in the honeymoon phase. They were blinded to reality. Well, the same thing goes for dreams of investing and the same thing happened to me recently, right? Luckily... I did so much research that I talked myself out of it for, for, for the most part. I was interested in crypto mining. I even mentioned it on the show. I was going to go, I found a company that where you could buy the, you know, the crypto miner and they would host it all for you. Basically, it was a done for you turnkey solution. And all I had to do was, was shell out six to, you know, anywhere from $5,000 to 10 grand in order to buy these machines. But I'm like, you know what? This sounds great. You know, I can mine Zcash. I can mine Bitcoin and I can mine it and, and, and start earning it. And Frank at a fraction of the cost that it would, well, I don't know about a fraction, but still I can earn it and have it produce for me constantly. And I would be making more money in the amount of, of crypto that I was mining than I would have made. Okay. It, you know, 
than, than I was spending on expenses for hosting fees and, and the electrical fees and all that and all that stuff. The reason you kind of want to host these computers is they, they they take a lot of energy, and you don't and usually you you're not going to get a very high you you have a, a relatively high ish electrical cost in your area more than likely in residential homes and you would if it was more of an industrial you know like a server farm they get a, they get better deals because they're they have they're using a much more electricity so economies of scale the more you buy the cheaper it gets per unit right and so as a result of that you could get a cheaper rate if you have somebody else host it in their server well in their in their crypto mining farm or server farm or whatever in their warehouse and so anyways, I was going to do this. I looked into it. I binge read on it constantly, researched it heavily. I love researching and man, I researched the crap out of it. And I discovered a few things that made it undesirable. First and foremost, there's the having process, the having cycle that any kind of Bitcoin that's structured like Bitcoin in that sense, where it's a limited supply has Litecoin, you know, Do- well, no, Dogecoin, Dogecoin did have it, but they don't, they, they have an unlimited cap. They don't, they don't have a having cycle. Zcash does, Ethereum does, Ethereum Classic does, you know, the list goes on and on. I think Dashcoin does as well too. Well, anyways, basically what it means is that every four years, roughly, when all the blocks have been mined and the cycle, you know, restarts, the rewards get cut in half. Meaning if I was making $13,000 a year, you know, assuming I spent $5,500 or actually $5,800 for a Zcash miner, a Z15, it was estimated to make anywhere from thirteen dollars to $14,000 within one year. Because Zcash has gone up recently, it's actually probably more than that now. But the point is, is that within four years, within two years, the, the halving cycle restarts in 2024. So in two years, my profits were going to get chopped in half. And I'm like, ah, oh, I get guaranteed loss of profits in, in, in two years. I'm like, nah, I totally love the idea that there's a limited supply of these cryptocurrencies. I am not okay at all. Not okay with the very notion that these that my production level is going to get cut in half. Just not okay with that at all. Okay. So, you know, I decided that, you know what, I just, I can't get around that, you know, because in the next two years, I'm going to have to buy another five, $6,000 machine just to make up for the loss in production. And that's just to maintain a steady level. Instead of buying another machine and another machine and another machine, and they're compounding with how much they make, that's pretty cool. But that's not reality. Now, so I'm still looking into mining, but I'm, I'm looking into mining cryptocurrencies that are inflationary, you know, that actually have, uh, you know, uh, uh, a predictable rate of inflation like Dogecoin or Grin or things of that nature, and they don't actually have a halving cycle. Of course, I wouldn't keep the profits that I'm making in those coins. I would exchange them for coins that are, that, that are not inflationary, but the mining, at least, the productivity would not be having every four years. Now, it, the, the productivity probably will go down as it becomes more complicated, as more miners get involved. So it's not like they're, you know, devoid of problems. But anyways, the whole point is I did a whole bunch of research on it and I realized it wasn't as rosy as I thought it was. I sat on the idea for a long time and I determined that I'm not really interested anymore. You know, I'm going to continue to look into this, but I'm not looking into that version anymore. And now I feel like I've sobered up. You know, I still love the idea of it, but I got to find a way to make it work, right? I'm not interested in, you know, buying an ASIC or whatever, or some kind of mining machine. I'm not interested in doing that. 
if it's going to be having all the time and it's going to be losing productivity. Not interested. So after doing a ton of research and comparing the, you know, the machines and all that kind of stuff, I determined it wasn't as rosy as I thought it was. And a lot of times, ladies and gentlemen, you can do the same thing in your own life. Whether you're looking to consume, like get a buy a consumer item, you know, non-investing wise, or you're looking at something to invest in, make sure that you compare the prices in that area. Make sure that you're getting good, good money for value and that you're actually getting a very, very high you know, high dollar ticket item for the cheapest possible, right? Make sure you're not overspending. If there, I mean, I know for a fact, I had another buddy pay $12,000 for a trading course. Now, granted, it was all in Texas. So it's not like he was moving to another country and wasn't aware of the prices in that area. But anyways, spent 12 grand on a trading course. I thought it was insane. You thought he was like, oh, it's get rich quick scheme, whatever. I dismissed it. Not that long later, I decided to do my own research. I discovered that he wasn't insane. The idea of trading was actually legit. However, he spent way too much money. I spent $2,000 and I got an education that I believe far and exceeds the education that he got for 12 grand. I didn't even, I spent 2000 a fraction of what he spent. And frankly, I might've even been able to get by with spending less money. Right? We always work with imperfect knowledge, but we can reduce risk by doing our own research. Knowledge reduces risk, right? So many people say options trading is dangerous. Yes, it is. But if you understand that and you understand what the risks are, you can reduce that risk. The same is true in any form of investing. Make sure to do your research. Make sure you're comparing apples to apples. If we're talking about prices in a foreign country, if we're talking about prices even where you currently live, but it's in a field you've never really considered, whatever, make sure to do your research. Maybe it turns out you do want to spend the extra money because you really truly do think it's a good idea. Maybe it is a good idea and spending the extra money is worth it. But you're never going to know if you don't research. So anyways, I just thought that was a good, I thought that was a good topic. And I know we talked a lot about what's going on in my life and all that kind of stuff at the beginning and whatnot. And so, you know, but I thought that was really good because I hate it when I see people buy, buy stuff, you know, get involved in investments. They think they got such a great deal. They think it's going to be such a great investment. They're in a honeymoon phase of the idea. They're unwilling to listen to any advice that you have for them that is rational. But it turns out that upon further research, when I do my own research, so that my buddy, when he bought that land, I actually went off and did research and I'm like, um, I'm sorry. So he bought land, had no utilities, had no electricity, no water on the land, right? Had none of that. And yet it was expensive. And yet I found another property, not nearly as much property. I think it had like, I don't know. It had a lot less acreage on it, but it was still very big, more than he would ever use in his life. And yet it also had electricity on it and it was for half the price of what he had spent. And it wasn't that far from the property that he bought. Now, I don't know whether that land was flatter or whatever, but but when I continue to look at the comps, the competition in the area, I discovered there were other homes that were less than, still, still less than what he spent, but actually had a house on there. So he could live on the land, so he wouldn't have to go rent somewhere else. He could actually live on the land as well as develop and turn it into his cash cow. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, pff, 
Look, be very careful when you're getting involved in investments. Make sure to do your due diligence. Don't just get involved in the love and the, you know, look, they try, people who are trying to sell you stuff, they want you to feel emotional about what they want you to buy. You know, whether that's a product or service, they want you to get to get you as emotional as possible because whether it's fear, whether it's happiness, whether it's hope, whatever it is, if they can get you to feel these extreme levels of emotions, they can get you to lower your, your guard down. And they can get you to make these decisions without really thinking a ton about it, right? They're trying to manipulate you for lack of a better term. They're trying to manipulate you and control you to get you to buy their stuff because you're all wrapped up in the emotions of it without rationally thinking. Now, it's not to say that we should take our emotions out of it. I always hate people that say, I don't hate them, but I hate that saying because we, we, every decision that we make is is because of the emotions inside us. You can't not make a decision without your emotions. So it's not a matter of taking your emotions out of stuff. It's a matter of controlling your emotions through education, through knowledge, right? The more you learn, the rosier, the, the less rosy it becomes. Like if you, you come up with this idea, it's all rosy, it's all great, amazing, honeymoon phase of the idea. And the more you learn, you're like, oh, wow, that's not as great. It's not really as great as I thought it was. Do your research. If you're going to be spending thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're going to be investing. Even if you're going to be spending a couple bucks, it doesn't matter. Do your research. Make sure that you're getting a good product. Now, be careful of analysis paralysis, okay? Be careful of analyzing prices too much to the point where, well, I, I just don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to, I mean, look, we're never going to have a perfect image and have perfect knowledge. We're never going to know every detail, all the variables. You're not going to know that. Okay. But there is a certain amount of research that you can do that can help, that can help you to understand whether you're getting a good deal or not. That can give you some insights on that. Maybe it turns out you really are getting a good deal, right? Make sure to compare apples to apples. And that's the, the core message of today's episode. It's going to be a little shorter than normal, you know, and I've said that a lot before and it never was short. It's actually going to be shorter than normal. Okay. It's not going to be an hour long episode, but again, make sure to do your due diligence, do your research. You want to get that haircut in Bali. Make sure you know what hair, what the, what, uh, you know, most haircuts go for. Look, find the average. Look, do some research. Get online. Talk to people. Talk to locals. You say, hey, how much money do you spend on, on a haircut? Hey, where do you go? Do they, do, do you even do haircuts? Do, does, you know, do you just do them yourself? Whatever. I don't know. Ask, ask around. If they don't have the information online because it's a small town, then ask around. You know, get involved in the community and start asking. Go, maybe go to different stores. I mean, look, it's a haircut, which is why most people don't really care about that kind of stuff. But they make the decision all the time. They make that mistake all the time with more than just frivolous things like haircuts. They make, they make those mistakes all the time when it comes to investments as well. Make sure to research. Make sure to compare apples to apples. If you're looking for prices in Bali, and particular, a particular city in Bali, then make sure to understand what's the average rate for this particular product or service in that city, right? Just in that city. And then don't compare that to other cities. Don't compare that price to where you're from if it's more expensive there. Don't do that. I mean, you know, maybe keep that in the back of your mind, but don't give that a lot of weight. Focus more on the prices in that area. Focus more on on whether it's a good investment for that area. 
and less on whether it's a good investment with regards to the other area. I mean, like my friend who bought land, he was from Texas, right? You know, granted, he got the land a lot cheaper. He got a lot more land than what he would have gotten from Texas. So he got a lot more bang for his buck. Absolutely. You know, I'm not questioning that. But I don't think he got a great deal compared to the quality of the land, compared to the price. I don't think he got the bet and the convenience of the land too. I just don't think he got the best deal compared to other options that were out there. You know, he got land that's hard to develop. It's very hilly. It's going to take him a lot of time, a lot of money to develop on there. More money than what it would have taken if he had merely just, you know, bought a, a, a land with a house on it with a couple of acres, or if he at least bought a land that already had utilities there. Now he's got to make a road, make it easy for the utility companies to get in, to tie utilities into that into that area where he wants to build his house. It's just it's a lot of work. It's going to be a lot more expensive than what he thinks it's going to be. And he's kind of learning that, but he still hasn't come to the realization that, oh, man, maybe I didn't make the best choice here. And I don't know if he will. Unfortunately, he won't listen to me. You know, he loves me dearly, but he he's stuck in the honeymoon phase. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing that I can say. He just has to figure it out for himself. Otherwise, if he was willing to listen to me, I would have told him exactly how I felt. I just don't, I just don't, he's already tied into it. You know, I mean, I, I think he should sell the land and, and look for better land in that area. But, you know, that's my opinion, you know, but so anyways, so that you don't get involved in the same kind of uh, trap, the, the, you know, price comparison trap here or lack thereof, make sure to do your due diligence. Like I've said, probably too much already on this, on this episode, go do your research. Compare prices in those areas, in the actual area that you're looking to to buy whatever it is you're looking to buy. You know, if you're in Dallas, Texas, look at the prices in Dallas, Texas. Don't compare. You can have the, the, the in the back of your mind that, well, this would be way more expensive in California. Sure, you can do that. But make sure to compare the prices in Texas. If you're looking to buy in a particular city, like Dallas or like uh, Houston, San Antonio, make sure to compare the prices in those cities. Don't try to compare prices from Dallas to Houston, okay? Unless you can move to either one and you're trying to figure out which one's better, you know, uh, financially speaking, which they're going to be probably similar anyways. But still, the point is, is that, you know, make sure to do your due diligence and to do that research and to compare apples to apples when it comes to investments, uh, prices for investment, prices for all kinds of stuff, right? Don't be that guy that says, oh man, I found this classic car and the guy wants a hundred, you know, 50,000. I just think that's amazing price considering the, the condition of the car. And then, you know, later on you go online and you find five different, you know, options, five different Classic cars, same model, better condition for thirty grand instead. You could have saved twenty thousand dollars had you done your own research. Turns out fifty thousand, you know, he just he suckered you in because you didn't you didn't even do your own research. You didn't know that yeah, it's a classic car. It's really not that valuable, and that one's in worse condition than what the other ones were. Make sure that you don't get caught in that trap. You work hard for your money, okay? This is this is how I'm going to end the episode. And because I already pitched the, you know, and asked you guys to share and everything, we're not going to do that at the end of the episode, okay? But you work hard for your money, don't you? Blood, sweat, and tears, right? You sacrifice a lot for that money. It's not everything. It's not the end-all, be-all of life, but it's valuable. And don't underestimate the value. Make sure that you appreciate the value 
and do your research so you don't blow your money frivolously. Poor people do that. And not men, and when I say poor, I'm not talking about a financial, you know, your financial status. I'm not talking about the fact that you have no money. Rich people, people who have lots of money can also be poor too. I'm saying poor people with regards to the poverty mentality. When I say you're poor, it's a mentality issue. You have the wrong mindset on money. You have the wrong mindset when it comes to your finances. That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. You can be poor and rich at the same time. If you if if I'm talking about the financial st- your financial standing and you don't have a lot of money, I, I call that you're broke. You're very broke, right? That has nothing to do with your mind state. That has purely to do with how much money you have. You are broke if you don't have much money. You're rich if you have a lot of money. You're poor if you don't value money. You tend to classify you you, you subscribe to victim mentality, and you abuse your money. You're wealthy and you have an abundance mindset if you value your money and you treat it with the respect it deserves and you don't have, and you take responsibility for your life, your actions, and you don't have a, a self-entitlement and a victimhood mentality, right? That's a wealthy and abundance mindset. Okay? Make sure to treat your money with respect. It's not the end all be all of life. It does not provide happiness. Okay? But, you still need to respect it. So do the research when you're, regardless of whatever you're interested in, do the research. Make sure you understand what you're getting into and then get into it. You know, dive in if it's a good deal for you. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I certainly did. I thought, I don't know, it's just something I was thinking about, you know, while I was uh, up visiting family and stuff. You know, I saw a lot of land for sale up there and everything. It was pretty cool. Beautiful area. Really beautiful. It was great. And we and I had a wonderful, you know, 4th of July. I got to watch fireworks, like, literally from a, a pool while I was swimming. That was really cool. Never done that before. And uh, it, was, it was just great. It, was, it really, was, really was great. And it was nice to be in a small little college town and whatnot. It was cool. But anyways, with that said, hope you guys had a great 4th of July. And uh, yeah, that's it for the episode. So hey, love you guys. Love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for sharing it. If, you, if you've if you already done that, if you haven't, please go and share it. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing the show, for coming here every week. I appreciate it. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys, okay? If you guys didn't come here each and every week to listen, eh, I'd be doing something else. Let's just say that. I wouldn't be wasting my time. So I'm here because you guys love it, because you guys like me, you like the show, you like all of it. So thank you so much for being here. And I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, with that said, hey, as always, know the risks, plan accordingly. See you next time.